Hello, and welcome to Game Masters Under Dark, where three game masters get together to answer your questions about running tabletop RPGs. My name is Will, and I'm one of your GMs for tonight. We are doing these videos to help answer questions that can be found on the r slash DM Academy subreddit, but we will also be answering questions that we get in the comment section as well, so please leave your questions in the comments below. Uh, one quick update, we are pleased to announce that the show is now not only on YouTube, but Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you prefer an audio-only format, uh, you now have that available. Just check out our channel banner, banner as well as the description for this episode in the links. For the links, excuse me. Uh, with that being said, let's introduce our other two GMs for tonight. What's up, everybody? I'm Matt Harrison of the two Matts. Uh, I'm definitely the more mechanics-oriented DM, and I'll send it over to you, Matt. Hola, I am Matt Rich. I am the storyteller, one that cares about uh, all the plot holes. And uh, again, my name is Will, and I'm the new guy out of us. So a lot of these questions that we're going over are ones I had, and so hopefully you guys will find them uh, re uh, relatively helpful. Uh, so we might have two questions tonight, but let's go for our first one uh, that we have. Uh, it comes from Pooet. I love the, the, the name. Uh, and it says, any good source for bad guy motivations? Uh, so their question specifically was, I found it incredibly difficult to uh, write my campaign until I can figure out a believable thing that the villain wants. I loathe vague evil, evil necromancers seeking world domination because they usually just don't make a lot of sense. I've been suffering from writer's block for weeks with the villain in my campaign having wishy-washy desires that basically consist of opposing the players, and I've only just managed to retcon in a motivation that makes a lot of sense. It turns out the reason he doesn't want the party to reawaken a good spirit from the Feywild and has arrested all druids in the country is because he's actually a disguised Rakshasa and is trying to create some living space for a powerful fiend from the nine hells he has a contract with. So he can ultimately facilitate a full-scale invasion of the Feywild and become an immortal Fey prince in his own right. This campaign is months old, and I've only just worked out a logical motivation from the villain. It was way too hard. Is there some kind of repository of fantasy bad guy motivations or clear methods for coming up with them? It's a real struggle. Now, before I let you guys answer, uh, there was really only one comment uh, that I saw that fit the bill, uh, and it's something that uh, we'll be talking about from Meepoo112. And their answer was pretty sure the DMG has it all? Question um, mark. And so that is going to be one of the things that we talk about. Um, Matt, if you like, uh, if you'd like, you can go ahead and go first with yours because I know your resources are from 3.5 edition. So, yes, uh, a little bit older, but still very, uh, very, very valid. Correct. Um, if you want to look back at uh, previous editions of D&D, 3.5 has two really good books when it comes to uh, the motivations of villains and how to create villains from scratch, as well as stock villains, where it gives you their entire backstory, their motivations and what their goals are. Uh, that you could easily mine as a resource and just bring that into 5e, just file off some serial numbers, change some names, change some mechanics and whatnot. Uh, the two books in question are the Book of Vile Darkness, 
Uh, I will say that there is a content warning on that book. So uh, if you're a little bit more squeamish, probably don't look at that one. Uh, they do discuss some things that aren't appropriate for all ages. I will say that in it. Um, but the book is really good about sort of explaining what evil is uh, in, through the scope of Dungeons and Dragons definition of evil. Uh, and there's some really good stuff about uh, possible sacrifices that could be going on and the things that those sacrifices would achieve for evil spellcasters. Uh, there's, you know, evil items, evil prestige classes, which were a thing from 3.5, uh, but you could easily bring in a character like that into a 5e and just keep some of the bells and whistles, uh, as well as evil spells, where if nothing else, the evil spells, I feel like are really good to use just the flavor text on them if you really want to drive home that this is an evil spell caster. Somebody casting a fireball at you, that's good and all if they're the bad guy throwing a fireball at you, they're the bad guy. But if somebody throws a fireball at you and the fire is black and you can hear people screaming when it explodes, that sort of denotes that they are a villain. Right, right. Uh, the other book in question from 3.5 is the Book of Elder Evils. Uh, that one delves way more into the actual background and goals of individual villains, as well as possible cults or uh, syndicates that they are a part of. I believe there's nine different uh, groups, individuals, backgrounds, and motivations, and locations for all those things. So not only do you get, you know, these nine or 10 examples, it gives you step-by-step -step guides on how to easily recreate something like that. Um, sort of a little bonus thing here, not a uh, D&D 3.5, but there's another role-playing game called Monster of the Week, which I've run and played in a little bit. And there is a countdown in when you create your um, monster of that week, where when, as the uh, game goes on, it sort of counts down, I believe there's six or seven individual goals or tasks that the monster is trying to achieve. So just having a list of things that they're trying to do definitely helps out with that. And I've been rambling long enough. I'll send it over to the other man now. I think going back to that comment, um, I think the retconning idea is not a bad idea. And that was a good one. Like they came up with that Rashaska. That was good. Um, and sometimes when you're creating villains and stuff, you don't ultimately, when you first start, know who your villain is. And so retconning is like beneficial, like do it. And sometimes you don't even have to tell anybody. And like, you can just say, I planned that man. And they'll be like, wow, you're so good. <laughs> um, but I'd like to talk about just, uh, I don't really have any sources when it comes to how I create villains, but I can talk about my process and what 
I've gotten inspiration from, which is real life. So uh, here's an example. This is a villain that currently exists in one of my games. And I'm just going to read it to the GMs here and uh, we'll see how that sounds to you guys. Art Malgon, King of Art Holden. When king, he ruled over us over the smaller kingdoms of the West Deserts, which was approximately 76 times larger than his native hero's coast. He made his sister kingdoms believe that he was helping the Western civilizations develop, but under his regime, the desert was subjected to a reign of terror. Over 500,000 died of diseases and many died of starvation as well. He killed over 10 million people, which was 50% of the population of the West Desert. All this just to gain money and more power. Do you guys like that? Yeah. And I mean, you guys play that campaign. It's pretty on point, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and pretty evil, too. <laughs> yeah. But, go, go ahead, man. Well, what it comes down to is like, Though this setting's in magic and a lot of that happened through magic, that actually happened real world. I just changed some things. Um, for villain that has motive, history, and lore to add to your world, I say just study up on historical figures sometimes. And just going to Wikipedia pages and just reading that and reflavoring from what they say into a different setting. And you'll find like that inspiration and even build from it. Um, as I also said, uh, real life villains also often have like this feel that they're doing the their actions are justified in some way. So you will have this idea, almost like a gray area, like they feel like they're right and the players feel like they're right as well. And a lot of that causes controversy and conflict uh, between your teams and having a villain that is driven to like a subjective evil that players will have to inevitably face will make your villain have emotion greater than simply I'm bad and I'm here to do bad things. And so that I, that's what I always look into. And like for the example I gave you with Art Malgon, the legend king of Art Holden, he was inspired by a real person, a real person that wasn't always terrible, but because of his upbringing, privilege, circumstance, and the power to impose onto others, they found themselves on the wrong side of history. And I will close this statement with Leopold II of Belgium. When king, he ruled over the Congo Free State, which was approximately 76 times the size of Belgium. He made an entire world believe that he was going to help the Congo. But under his regime, between 1885 and 1908, the country was subjected to a reign of terror. Over 500,000 people died of diseases and many died of starvation as well. He killed over 10 million Congolese, which was 50% of the population of Congo. All of this just to gain money and power. Yeah, and that's that's real life. Sometimes... You, uh... You, you you'll sit there and talk with your friends or you you know you can't you're like you see the the guys uh Pouette said they had writer's block and sometimes it's a quick google search top 10 worst people in history and you know or you know worst people in history it doesn't even have to be a top 10 list uh but just something like real world like you said 
Um, one that always comes up for me, um, mostly because of back my background and how, uh, I mean, you guys know, like, is Genghis Khan. This man was, by all, for all intents and purposes, considered a monster, but he thought he was doing right. And if you yeah. grew up, if you grew, if you were, especially if you were with him from the beginning, it would be easy to see that. Um, uh, if you grew up with that, obviously we have the benefit of hindsight. So, right. <laughs> that, that leads into like NPCs too. Like your, if your NPCs have grown with the villain for like majority of their life and the villain believes they're doing the right thing, lar- largely your NPCs that would be maybe like the assassins of the world or things that are like, or the peons of the villain, they most likely have a warped worldview as well and they think what they're doing is right yeah so um real life um you you know there's an old i don't want to call it a saying but just i i guess you could call it a catchphrase you can't make this stuff up and a lot of times you don't have to mm-hmm. um but in case you you feel like it um <laughs> the segue i have to the portion that uh, I, I i touched on a little bit uh is the dmg um I being new, you know, I, I talked to these guys and um, Matt here, uh, Matt H, the bearded Matt, uh, as, as I like to call him, he brought up the, the two books for me and uh, I kind of read them and was like, that's probably a little much for me being new. It's not that it's bad material. It was just like, I don't know if I'm ready to, to go full into that. And that's where the DMG, as um, the one commenter said, is a great resource. Um and, I, and I don't, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because there's there's quite a bit. But one thing they do give you is the scheme. And it literally says you roll a D8, it'll tell you the scheme. Once you pick that, you roll like a, like D4 through D6, I think, are the different options depending on what it lands on. And it'll uh, I will give you like the first one. So if you rolled a one on the D8, it's immortality. That's a common thing, especially in magical settings. And I'll give you just these four options. It's acquire a legendary item to prolong their life, ascend to godhood, become undead or obtain a younger body, steal a planar creature's essence. And when I, when I read that, the first thing I thought of on number three, become undead or obtain a younger body, Vecna. Like Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) like, that is a classic D and D villain. Um, And anybody who's watched critical role knows how important he is because of something that happened on their show. Um, so like right there, you have your scheme. If you scroll further, uh, into the, I say scroll, sorry, I use D and D beyond. So I have the digital version. Um, but if you, you know, keep going through your pages, the next thing is the method with which they try to accomplish this. Um, the next thing they have is what is the villain's weakness? You know, the one thing that can be done to, to stop them that may not necessarily be combat related. Um, uh, one of them being like a hidden object holds the villain's soul, like a lich being with their phylactery if you could somehow get a hold of that and destroy it there's no combat involved and you can destroy that that big bad now the odds of that are slim to none i think (laughs) if you know anything about liches that's that's hard to do but it's not impossible um and it just a lot of that's going to be driven by player choice that you know that's kind of that's part of it you know just Sometimes the players will kind of come up with some creative stuff, hopefully, that makes your job DM a lot easier. That's where retconning comes in into play. Because <laughs> <laughs> exactly. the, the players will throw a wrench into your, your scheme and 
almost you'll be like oh it's only second session and you guys are already solved it (laughs) (laughs) exactly uh, and, and the last thing, just to touch on the DMG, uh, the last kind of option they have, they only give you two options, but they do give you some class options, one of them being a Necromancer and one being uh, an Oathbreaker Paladin. Um, two classic archetypes, you know, the, the, the character Fallen from Grace uh, in the Paladin, and uh, they use the Cleric specifically, um, something me and Bearded Matt actually just talked about the other day, um, but using that as your Necromantic uh character and those are just two really common tropes in magic settings um but if you know if you went with somebody like um to use genghis khan as, as the example i brought up he would be like a barbarian like there's hands down that's what he would be um you know and, and that's fine you uh, you can use whatever you know subclass options and things like that that you think flavor your your world well like uh rich said it's just a a matter of the reflavoring everything. So um, I, I think the, uh, the Mipu or Mipo, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, was on was on the right track with pretty sure the DMG has it all. It doesn't have everything, but a lot of times you just let the dice fall where they may. And it's at least a starting point. And it sounds like for Mipu, how have you been saying it, um, is what you needed was the right set of inspiration and your players gave that to you. You didn't have anything right off the bat, but the more they played, the more little intricacies, I'm sure that story is good because you were allowed to put some of the specifics of what had happened into what's happening with that villain currently and how to, how to stop them. And so because of that, you did a great job, honestly, like that, you didn't I yeah mean, you, you wrote this question but honestly you did it you did it with the question <laughs> perfect 10 for me that was that's great storytelling and especially rishasa's their their nature uh just how they they are 10 out of 10 out of lore for those ones <laughs> right yeah that's that's perfect um, and, 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 again, and again if you're always if you don't like any of these options i will tell you as far as like a repository google or, or bing or whichever search Netflix documentaries anything on crime rings serial killers tyrants <laughs> anything yeah. like that so those are um those are yeah that's kind of what we have and um i think a repository is of, of everything would be a lot um but you know the information's out there. Uh, like I said, it's I, a lot of stuff I search is whatever I'm looking for, D&D 5E. <laughs> so there, I, there's generators and lists and um, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, just quick search will, will do. Um, I think we have time for one more question. Um, and this one will be pretty quick, I think, because uh, it's one I hadn't thought of. I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. <laughs> I can't read that far. Um, this one will actually be easy. We talked. We discussed this one the other day when I when we were all talking, uh, and like I said, it was one I hadn't thought of because I guess my background is primarily RPG like video games like Skyrim. So it was just like, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, and the question was uh, comes from Eat Brains Get Gains. Great name. Um, which is why don't. <laughs> 
And their question was, why don't you do it yourself? How do you deal with this question? And uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically a powerful king or a faction leader uh, or God has a task they want done and they ask your, your PCs to do it. And one of the PCs rebuttal is, why don't you do it? And there's a bunch of really good answers for this one. Uh, Normally we try, I try to find, uh, we try to find like the less answered questions, but this is what I hadn't thought about. And I was, I wondered your guys' hot take on it. Like if we're playing your, you know, either one of your campaigns and I'm like, uh, no, why don't you go do it? What you do you want to go first, Matt? <laughs> yeah. So the, the, one of the examples that they gave is, uh, why doesn't the king go do it? The king is doing other stuff 99% of the time. If there's bandits terrorizing a kingdom, look all throughout history and try to find me one example where somebody came up to the king and said, Sir King, there's brigands out to the west burning my fields. And the king goes, all right, I'll get right on that and grabs his sword and runs out to go. No. They hire I would say in the in history, there's at least one king that does that. You're gonna find somebody in our comments being like, "This king back in ancient history right. did that." <laughs> of course, there's always gonna be that one. The, king. There's Guess always what? one. That king probably got shot with a crossbow bolt and died. That's what I'm gonna mention in the, my point. <laughs> right. So, people that have wealth and resources, whether that be political material goods actual currency they normally don't have a lot of time on their hands or don't have the skill sets required that they would need you know adventurers to do if there's bandits raiding a town somewhere in a kingdom the king would eat would probably send his own knights or foot soldiers to go and take care of it well if that that kingdom's already at war he can't spare those knights. He can't spare those soldiers to go out and help. So he looks for mercenaries or adventurers that he can pay or do favors for because he's basically short-staffed at that point. When it comes to gods, if you're looking at it for, from a D&D lore perspective, the gods really can't interact in the prime material plane, which is the plane where everything happens because they're not powerful enough or that would break so many treaties that the gods would go to war and basically end reality itself that's why they have agents working for them that's why they have clerics that's why they have paladins so they can still assert their influence in the world without actually having to go there themselves so the surface level of this question, I get it, but there's so many other checks and balances and whatnot that are you can very easily consider. Um, because imagine, you know, some crime happens in South Dakota. The president isn't going to go investigate a burglary at a gas station in South Dakota. Right. He's the president. He's got other stuff going on. So right. I'll send it over to Matt with that. So I think what 
what the problem could come from is maybe session one, they're meeting the king and they're nobodies. I mean, maybe you wrote that there's somebody in their backstories or even set it up in the story prologue. But uh, that being said, in the new kingdom that they're playing in and stuff, uh, they're not, r- roughly nobodies. Why would the king call on them? I would say kind of set it up to have them make a name for themselves. This is why the king's called, because they are heroes, because they have been made as formidable mercenaries. Like th- this, is, this is a reason why somebody would call upon you because you can do a job better than they can. And so that said, uh, maybe the, well, the question was what, what happens when a character asks this <laughs> to your king or whatever? Um, if asked to a king, maybe the story takes a turn and the king's like, you know what? I am going to do it. I am going to go out there, but have him just be a regular commoner in the staff block. And suddenly your players are like, oh no, <laughs> this is a problem and he thinks he's a hero just like you and he's going out there and have them be just like uh accompanying your hero and then like slowly realizing like oh maybe i don't want to be a king maybe the king's life's not for me or even worse uh the first session they get into he dies and now the whole entire games like kind of swept swept around because now there's a new king in town and who knows how they end (laughs) and so like when a player wants to challenge you like that and like why don't you do it you can say clearly he's very busy he's a king like matt said or that inspires the king he's like you know what i've never been given the opportunity (laughs) because i mean like how a hero is raised and how a king's raised um, the hero has large experience of danger, usually. Um, the king could as well, but also at one point in their life, took a turn to a different career path. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, this always makes me think um, about the one of the very first quests you often get in, I'll bring it up against Skyrim, where you, you go to the, the first Jarl and he, you know, you tell him about the dragon attack and then he's like, oh, I have some more, I, like something that might suit you. And he takes you to the court wizard who wants you to get a tablet from a dungeon. And one of the questions you can ask is why don't you do it? And his, oh. it, yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah. His, his answer is like, I have research here that you would not understand. Uh, so I need somebody like you who, it, he basically calls you a nobody to go get this because if you don't get it then okay you died and we don't know you you're not you're nobody good one yeah and and uh i'm the guy that like when i go because one of the first quests you're actually given is in that uh dungeon i go and get the tablet there and so then he's like oh you're not incompetent but he still talks (laughs) down to you and it's like yeah it's frustrating but um even in a one-on-one setting like that that's very powerful like if you were brand new to the game you didn't know you were supposed to do that and now this guy's like you because if you die you don't matter um and that was a a few of the comments that were in this post uh where it takes time to muster 
an army to send them to a, attack bandits at a village. But yeah. five people, like, go. You're five people. Or, you know, however much is in your party. So, um, I definitely think that um, it, that that is probably the prevailing assumption of that running a kingdom is not easy. It takes time. It's, you know, you have politics. You know, what if this was in a border town? Stuff, you know, you got to be careful. So, um, we could probably talk about the intricacies of running kingdoms and, <laughs> and countries all night. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I like your guys' answers. Um, obviously, like I said, I've, I've not had to deal with that. So, um, I'm, I'm, I thought it was a great question. You know, it just uh, because there's, always, there's usually always that one guy that, uh, that I got, like that. I got a question. Uh oh, okay. What's your guys' favorite villain you've made? <laughs> Ooh. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually working on one now. I've, even though you guys are probably going to play in it, uh, I've talked to you guys a little bit about it. Uh, it's based around lycanthropy. Um, and I've kind of got the big bad worked out. Um, it's, I, I, you know, I'm not quite there yet. This isn't still in like alpha phase of me getting this thing ready. Like I've, I've just really finished the town structure. Um, but I really like, at least in my head canon, where the, the big bad is coming from. Um, and uh, kind of like the first question with the bad guys, there's going to be a lot of moral ambiguity, I think, in, the, in this game because of how what people think typically when you hear lycanthropy of, oh, it's, it's bad. But I'm, I'm working in to, to make that maybe not so much. So, um, and, and there's going to be, the, the big bad though is definitely going to be like, no, I see why people hate this thing. Um, <laughs> so uh, right now he's by far my favorite because other than that, I'm running uh, pre-published things. So I, they're not my bad guys. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Lizza for me. Yes. That's from the 3.5 campaign that uh, he's running that uh, me and, and uh, Matt, we all basically just take turns so that nobody's a forever DM, which uh, <laughs> I will, I will say we got lucky with that uh, <laughs> having three people that, that are willing to do that. But uh, yeah, that game is, is interesting. It's really my first big jump into 3.5. Um, so uh, it's definitely different, <laughs> but uh, very crunchy, very. Um, but she's she's an interesting one, especially because we just found out about her. So, yeah, you just found out last session about her. Yeah. So that'll that'll definitely be interesting. Uh, what about you, Rich? I mentioned mine, uh, Art Malgon. Uh, all I'll say is that because uh, that story is still going. But I can talk about, I, I like his uh, backstory, largely. Like, I introduced him to the players as a hero king. Like, he literally stormed the castle of a lich, killed the lich, took the crown, and took the kingdom. And raised that kingdom to be, I mean, obviously much better than the lich's kingdom. But in the hero's eyes at the time, this was like a golden staple in what it meant to be on the hero's coast, which is like, this is where heroes are made. And Art Malgon being that leader of the one who still, who did, like beat the, le beat the lich and then became a legend in himself, suddenly realized to the players now 
that he's a necromancer and he's corrupted and now he's doing foul things and going around the continent causing war and just completely shattered their ideal of what he was and it continues to shatter every time he's mentioned it's just like you realize like he's fallen far but he did that a long time ago right and so and now now we're just in a point where you guys are trying to figure out like why and what's he doing and uh that's that's fun to me i like that yeah (laughs) it's definitely fun and um i'm enjoying working on my my first real villain um like i said it's 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 tough and i i get like where uh where that's coming from Mm -hmm. uh where the question's coming from because um ultimately it's tough like i said i've got a lot of different ideas floating in my head and who knows i might whip out my my dice and just let that decide for me (laughs) retcon is a perfectly legitimate excuse too if some (laughs) if if your player just simply simply mentions is he her father and you realize each player like has a look just say yes <laughs> just go with it you'll and then you'll you'll largely just scratch out a whole entire sheet of notes yeah but your players are so excited now and they're like wow and you're like yeah i'm playing that exactly <laughs> all right uh well do we have any closing thoughts from you guys anything else we wanted to to add uh, nothing from me this time. I think I got all my stuff out there that I wanted to get out there. Rich? I think we're good. Uh, keep it spicy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, uh, we definitely, uh, we, we enjoyed uh, going over these questions and uh, we hope you enjoyed this as well. Uh, if so, please like, comment, and subscribe for future content. Uh, and remember that you can also find us uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, We look forward to answering some more of your questions next week. uh, And we hope you all have a great rest of your week. Adios. Adios.